So what we need from the store today? Because <laughs> I know we need some stuff. Yeah, vegetables. Yeah. Vegetables. For sure. And some fruit. Yes. Do we need to make a list? The vegetables, fruit, what else? It's in my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> will you remember? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a list. You're listening to the sounds of love. In particular, the average, sometimes mundane, everyday grocery list kind of love that has been built and nurtured by two of my favorite people. My name is Jay Green, and I'm married to this wonderful woman to my right. Her name is Keela Green. Keela Green. And we've been married for 19 years and a lot of months. It's about to be our 20th anniversary next April. I'm excited about that. We're still happily married. It still feels like our honeymoon to me. I don't know about you, babe. But At times. Jay and Keela live in Los Angeles, about an hour from my California home. And you may recognize Jay's name from our credits, where I thank him frequently. When I started this show, I envisioned scoring each episode with as much original Black music as possible. And thanks to Jay, we have met that goal in each episode thus far. Lucky us. I think what you're doing is is amazing. It's a message that needs to be heard. And if I could, you know, be a part of that through music, I'm all for it. Speaking of music, there's this meme floating around that says something like, if it doesn't feel like that 90s R&B kind of love, I don't want it. I've seen it on T-shirts. I've seen it on bags. And there's good news for whoever said this originally. In some cases, as it is with Jay and Keela, that expectation has been met and surpassed. Jay's actually a little famous for those 90s R&B slow jams we all love so much. I want to take it all the way back to the R&B group ideal and how you all met. Okay, this is Jay, a.k.a. Jay Dante, uh, one-fourth of the supergroup ideal from Houston, Texas. We started singing together in high school, um, doing local talent shows, singing in church. And from there, we began to get a little more exposure. Fast forward, we got a record deal with Virgin Records. But that kept us out touring and, and, and putting us in the public eye. And from then, it was no looking back. I actually met my wife on the set um, after we completed shooting the whatever video and set was down in Miami. She was on spring break and um, I looked over and I, what I say to you? Hey, you. Hey, you. From across Ocean Drive. From across Ocean Drive, right there in Miami on, on, on Ocean Drive. I saw a beautiful young lady. She had a glow around her too. And I said, hey, you. And she turned around. And I said, are you talking to me? <laughs> and he said, yes, yes you. Yes, you. <laughs> so I went over there and talked to him. And he said he would be around recording his video. And would we be around later? And I'm like, yeah, we'll be around. So yeah. he called me. I didn't think he was going to. I'm like, what does an R&B singer want with me? I just thought it was 
all, <laughs> don't look at me like that, all, uh, you know, not true, but ended up being true. And we all went out that night. And when he called me, he totally butchered my name. He said, can I speak to Kuella? I'm yeah. like. <laughs> we need to put a, I wish you could spell her name across the screen. <laughs> Q-U-E-I-L-A. What does that say? <laughs> And he takes me on his moped because that's all he had driving around Ocean Drive. And so we all went out that night. We all went to dinner. We went to a club called the G Spot. I was underage, but I got to get in because I was with Jay <laughs> and he was in the famous group Ideal. So it didn't matter. We ended up hanging out in the VIP feather room. <laughs> it was a load of fun. <laughs> and then we ended the night just us talking on the beach and talked until the sun, came, the sun up. came up and he had to leave. Yep. And when he left, I was like, well, that was fun. Not quite sure if I'll hear from him again, but he called while I was still in Miami a couple days later and mm -hmm. here we are. It's been full throttle ever since. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that you guys have an R&B love? Definitely. Oh yeah. For sure, it was born out of R&B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was born on an R&B R&B video shoot. It was birthed out of R&B. <laughs> That's amazing. What's possible. Right. It's possible to be young. It's possible to be black, successful, in love with two people of the same race. And we're just making things work and making things happen. Mm-hmm. Vermont Public, this is Homegoings. I'm Myra Flynn. Here on the show, we invite and straight up encourage candid, vulnerable, and unapologetic conversations about race. We also work to center the stories and humanity of brown and black people. And what could be more humanizing than talking about love? And not just any love. Today, we're talking black love and how through hopes and dreams. I always wanted to my mate, soulmate, to be of African-American uh, descendant. That's what I was looking for. The winds of change. People change, yeah. right? And with those changes, you have to have your love kind of aligned with it to some degree. And heartbreak. You've never left my side no matter what. It means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Because, um, like, you know, my father, I feel like he abandoned me. Nevertheless, Black love persists. It flows, it's smooth, you know what I'm saying? It's in the pocket. It can make you want to sing, it can make you want to laugh, it can make you want to cry. You know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ride, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a nice, nice ride. ride. This is Homegoings. Welcome home. Okay, so when I was growing up, Love stories sounded like this. Suddenly he stops. He looks up. For lo, there she stands. The girl of his dreams. There was usually some sort of a gown, a ball, maybe a lady who had an evil mom or kept eating the wrong apple or falling asleep and needing to be saved by like a kiss or a dance or a battle or a prince. 
And though the setting changed or the romance novel cover rotated, one thing was always pretty painfully consistent. Not one of the women at the center of these stories looked like me. And the emotions that brought up for me actually had little to do with beauty, though we covered a couple episodes back with our show on Black beauty standards. There's a lot to unpack there. It had more to do with this feeling of separation between me and them, like there were the kissed and the kissed knots, the saved and the saved knots. And for me, as a default honorary member of the saved knots, these stories signaled to me that if someone like me wasn't worthy of being saved or kissed, someone like me wasn't worthy of being loved. And in these stories, it wasn't just the female character who didn't look like me. The lead dude who does the saving wasn't brown or black either. So it always made me wonder, in real life, when I saw black couples holding hands, walking the streets together, madly in love, how did they find each other? And what made them choose each other? This is Jay and Keela Green again. I had a boyfriend when I was 13 that was white, but I don't, don't know if I consider that dating outside of my race because I was so young. It was just hanging out at school. I had a white girlfriend in the first grade. She was cool. We got along real well. First grade, really? Yeah, in the first grade. Her name was Naren. What's up, Naren? Shout out to you and your family. What does black love mean to both of you? Our black love is (laughs) A-OK. It's it's a lot going on with this black love, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, And that's probably ancestral. To me, it means caring, sharing, listening. Treating each other with respect and... Working together. Working together, prioritizing each other, spending the quality time together, but also sharing that love with your family as well. So you have, wait, what type of, are we supposed to talk about it? You got to ask questions. I'm going to ask you questions. Okay. Speaking of family. Oh God, don't make us go home not getting along. This is Mark and Annette Thomas, the parents of Jay and Keila Green. They live in the Bay Area of California. Mark is Keela's dad, and Annette is her stepmom. I just tried to be the best support um, I could, and I treat her always as if she was mine, right? Mm -hmm. Always. Mark and Annette have been together a long time, though there's a little debate when it comes to exactly how long. 33 years? 34? We'll be 34. We'll be 30, okay, 34 years. <laughs> been married 34 years, been together 41, but I counted all as married because I was a kid. So we've been together all these years. I'll be frank. For this episode, I was really personally interested in simply talking to some couples. I'm just curious in general about what works for folks and what doesn't work. I want the gossip the drama, the tea. My guilty pleasures are reality TV shows about love. There, I said what I said. So talking to this entire family feels like a really great get when it comes to diving into all of that. And with this couple, Mark and Annette, 41 years together, that's gotta be a lot of tea. We went out on a double date. Don't tell them. I'm telling everything. (laughs) We went out on a double date 
She was with one person. I was with the other person. But I always liked her. When I saw her one day coming out of a friend's house that we mutually were friends, I told him that I was going to marry this lady someday. And when I had the opportunity, we start flirting with each other while we were with the other people and then just started going out after that. Wait, so are you describing an affair? No, I was already, I was. I you were out coming out of a relationship. relationship yeah. Mark and Annette's Black love story is an intentional one. They were looking for each other. My first wife was Caucasian, is Caucasian. After we divorced and got, you know, went our separate ways, I always wanted to, my mate, soulmate, to be of African, uh, American descent. That's what I was looking for. If you're listening and wondering if this is an episode promoting dating within your race, you might be right. And you might be wrong. Here's what I've learned. Black love is about so much more than love. It's about equity, survival, humanity, and honestly, radical activism. See, Black love hasn't really had the luxury to have romance at the forefront. How could it? How do you family, the way we now know a healthy family to be, in a country where at one time, common practice was to see your children being bought and sold before your very eyes? How do you get your groove back with a history steeped in rape, especially rape that wasn't even allowed to be called rape? In fact, if you were raped by a white master or lady of the house, your spouse was likely lynched for the sin you caused. If marriage is a marriage of resources, what's the point if you don't have any? Or when you did, at least when you could in the 1800s, your quote, 40 acres and a mule, the mule I've learned came later, if at all, was considered a poor financial risk, refused loans or insurance and redlined as recently as the 1900s. How do you define your legacy? I mean, can you imagine the foundation of confidence our culture would have if Black Americans had a starting chance at being economically self-sufficient? What that would have meant for our generational wealth? How do you keep the passion alive through the Three-Fifths Clause, where in the late 1700s, Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution declared that any person who was not free would be counted as three-fifths of a free individual, three-fifths a human. How do you love any human well when historically you've been told you aren't a human yourself? I just think it's kind of a miracle that we get out of bed in the morning. As Black people, what we know about loving each other is that that love is met with consequence, failure, violence, and death. I mean, it would only benefit our societal circumstances to unify or love those outside of our own race. And still somehow, 
some way, Black people keep on choosing each other. If that choice is not an act of radical activism, I don't know what is. You could just be yourself. We understand the language. We don't take it personal, you know, because we have a little lingo. You can talk how you talk at home. And then when you go into society, you almost have to conform to what they want you to be. But at home, uh, we could just be ourselves and always brought the kids up. Don't ever let anybody change who you are because this is, this is your foundation. And this is, these are the things my mom taught me and his mom taught him and the food that we eat, uh, how we understand each other just as a culture, period. It's just, it's hard to explain. It just is. It just is. Black couples, on top of recovering from our history, are navigating hard life stuff, same as everyone else. Take Annette and Mark, who have had to navigate cancer together. But guess what? The upside of a history steeped in pain is you are strong as hell. If you want to know how to overcome, thrive, and surpass your pain, yeah, Black people in America... We wrote that book. I think adversity really tells you what your per, what your mate is all about. You know, because... He didn't leave me. Because that's when you realize... Is, is that the standard? He didn't leave you? What I went through, a person would leave. People leave people, people going through time. what I went through. That's probably the hardest thing <laughs> that we've ever been through. Right? Yeah, yeah. I love you because you're my rock. You've never left my side no matter what. Good days, bad days, ups, downs. It's like you're just present mm -hmm. no matter what. And that's, that means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Because um, like, you know, my father, I feel like he abandoned me. So I've always wanted somebody in my life that would just be there for me and my needs no matter what. And I love you for that. I love you because you're like my foundation. You keep me balanced. You bring me back to the middle even when I want to go crazy and do other dumb stuff. <laughs> even when I do dumb stuff, you, you know, it takes a while to get back, but we always find our way back to each other. So that tells me you, you know, you've forgiven me for a lot. So if you want to know why I love you, that's why. It's because of the loyalty you present and the foundation you give me. That's why I always believe I can. Is that why like, you always say that to me? Yeah. That's he why always I always, says it to me. What's he say? I always believe I can. He says it to me all the time. And that's black love. Right? I have a serious crush on my wife. It's that that's real. Yes. <laughs> this is Wendy and Henry Pazamore at their home in New Jersey. They've been together for 21 years and they met in a pretty interesting way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story. <laughs> um, okay, so this this is a story that um, we have some disagreements on. However, mostly it is we're on the same page. But we were both, and I'm going to say this right, we were both 
um, messing with someone, not messing with them, but I was seeing I someone. I was seeing someone. Yeah. Oh, you said seeing a lot of people. Okay. She was seeing I a was lot of people. I was identifying as polyamorous at the time. I was not. <laughs> Wendy and Henry's academic and work journeys have toggled them between New York City and Vermont for years, but their paths never crossed until, ironically, Wendy's partner at the time suggested she make a new friend. That one person just kept saying, hey, do you know this woman named Henrietta? And I was like, no. Like, no, I don't know her. And she's like, you remind me so much of her. Y'all have to meet. And now I think a normal person would have been like, why is this person I'm seeing telling me I have to meet another person? But in my mind, again, I just came back from Vermont. I was like, oh, new friends. That's what's going to happen right now. <laughs> And this person was telling me all about Wendy, but didn't say her name. And then was like, you remind me so much of someone I know. I have to, you guys have to meet. I think you guys would connect immediately. And I got a call around like, I don't know, like eight o'clock. And she's like, have you had dinner yet? And I'm like, no. Um, she came to pick me up there. And then all of a sudden kind of changed the whole thing and was like, actually, let's go stop at the LGBT center in New York. Yeah, once we get there, she's like, um, Henrietta is running a meeting, a polyamorous meeting. And I was like, oh, this was a setup. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm standing in the lobby and <laughs> she came down and this goddess walks through a door and literally that meeting ended and the person I was seeing, um, I just couldn't stop cheesing. You know, I, my, I was smiling from ear to ear and she looks at me and she says, you know, what are you smiling at like that? And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I just met my wife. Wendy and Henry identify as queer, specifically aggressive femme and soft butch. So their Black love and their queer love have intersected over the years in a world that has historically marginalized both identities. Because I grew up feeling like and learning that lesbians were white women, you know, and that women that loved women were white. That was not something that happened in the community. And so coming out in my 20s in, in New York, in Brooklyn, was it was like a different world. There were just so many things that felt in sync when I met Wynn. I felt like, wow, we have so many things in common and so many things that are different in terms of our perspectives. And we had many, many shared values, many cultural um, exchanges that were similar. Our, our families were not from this country, you know, and they both spoke Spanish and English and... Um, we were both from Brooklyn and we went to school and public schools and not public schools. And it was just amazing to be in this relationship with someone that felt so much like me, but was so different. Are you hearing this love? Just pour through your speakers right now. Henry and Wendy are couples goals. But if you're thinking every day for them has been a romance novel, well, fine. Yeah. Yeah, it has. But my point is, there's still a lot of hard work behind their love. All of the trauma that we both brought to the relationship based on our own family's trauma and history and ancestry of trauma. Right. Mm. And so we've both had to work through our own stuff mm. together and apart. 
Um, and I think for us, a really big piece of us being together is being able to grow in those ways. Knowing that, hey, that's your stuff. And this is my stuff. Let's let's work on that so that we can then work on our stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Because there, there's some lines there, right? I don't have to hold every piece of you. And you don't have to hold every piece of me. We have to just take responsibility for ourselves. Right? Because I can't handle all your trauma and you can't handle all of mine. Right? And I know that the world is going to get on us too. So then there's that. Yeah. So where do we and how do we, you know, take the time to say, hey, what's yours and what's mine? So that we both take responsibility for keeping one another healthy, right? And so I think that that is compounded when you're in a lesbian relationship with another Black woman. If I may, a little moment of identity vulnerability of my own. Honestly, all love is good love, but sometimes I am envious of Black, femme, queer, and lesbian love. Mainly it's a selfish envy because I'm a black female. I've always wondered what it's like to love someone who feels so familiar. Like there must be something so healing about loving someone so much like yourself that in turn you may learn to love and heal yourself. Like self-love by proximity. It's a little heady, I know, but Wendy and Henry get it. I ran this thought by them to ask if I sounded like a heteronormative fool. Their response, end quote, You know, Myra, we make a lot of people want to be gay. Touché. Touché. For me, a woman of color, a Black woman, it was just, it was amazing to connect on that level. And like the making love piece, it's breathtaking. Uh, when you're with someone that you really connect in that way. And for me, it was women, you know, connecting with women, just, I I can't even articulate it. It, it just is it's so amazing and uh, so deep. It touches me very deeply. It's a soul kind of touch. It's not mm-hmm. just physical. It's, it's, it's compounded. It, it's, it's another... Yeah, it's another layer. It's another um, experience where, you know, you're both so vulnerable in regards to how the world looks at you. And yet you both know how incredibly sacred and strong you are in regards of how we know and look at each other. That's That's been the most affirming, I think. Like I, when I think of healing in my skin, in my body, like in my thoughts, I think of, I think of our love. I think for both of us also, you know, violence was our first language. That's real. You know, and and if you speak to many women of color, that's that's not a singular story. It's not uncommon. Right. And so there's deep healing in that. There's this quote that says um, two women together are a sign of the earth healing herself. And I think about that all the time, every time Henrietta and I are with each other. And then you add on that making love to a woman and a woman of color and the healing that happens within that, our bodies being our own. Mm -hmm. I mean, just even that concept itself, right? Because women of color are preyed upon, right? We're we're preyed upon by those who look like us and those who don't look like us, Mm -hmm. right? And so where do we find that peace and that safety? And for me, I have found it in this love. 
if you can imagine, these two have even more in common than what we've heard from them so far. Both Wendy and Henry identify as African-Caribbean and Black Latino. Wendy's family roots are in the Dominican Republic, and Henry's are from Belize in Central America. So they get to speak one of the most romantic languages together. Me gusta tus ojos y tus labios, tu nariz y también muchas cosas de tu cuerpo y tu espíritu también, porque tú eres una persona, no solamente una cuerpa, un cuerpo. Bueno, para mí yo siento tu alma. Yo siempre cuando miro tus ojos siento tu espíritu. Yo pienso que tú eres la persona más hermosa que yo he visto en mi vida. Inteligente, brillante. Y yo me siento orgullosa de estar contigo. Igualmente en mi vida. Jay and Keila Green, Mark and Annette Thomas, and Henry and Wendy Pazamore. And if you've been following along with season one of Homegoings, you know that each of our episodes ends with a deep listen to something powerful and profound. And today, we're adding sexy to the list. I'm going to put on my DJ hat and play you some smooth, sexy, soulful R&B, the kind of music that makes you want to make love, be in love, and love love. So sit back, take a breath, and let the listen in. This is Black Beauty. Written and sung by Jay Green.
Thank you so much for listening to Homegoings, a righteous space for art and race. It's been a pleasure being here with you. Special thanks to Brent Dixon and Tim Sonnefeld, who produced Black Beauty with Jay Green. While we're on the subject, a shout out to episode two in the Homegoing series titled Black Beauty. If you haven't listened yet, may I suggest circling back? It's a great precursor to this episode on Black Love. And as per usual, thanks to Elodi Reed, who is the graphic artist behind all of our Homegoing's artist portraits. Wendy and Henry are front and center on this one, so be sure to check them out at homegoings.co. This episode was mixed, scored, and reported by me, Myra Flynn. I also composed the theme music, other music by Blue Dot Sessions and Jay Green. Mark Davis edited this episode, and James Stewart always contributes to so many things on the back end of making this show come to life. If you can believe it, I'm already planning season two of this podcast. I can't help it. I'm so excited. And I want to know what you want to hear about and who you want to hear from. Got any juicy, nuanced topics in mind? Or how about a person of color in your life with an amazing story to tell? I'm all ears, so you can write to me at hey at homegoings.co. While you're there, you can sign up for our bi-monthly newsletter and give us a follow on Instagram at wearehomegoings. See you in two weeks for another episode of Homegoings. As always, you are welcome here. And, you know, as we do together, I want to pray with you right now, if that's okay. You know? Let's do it. Okay. Heavenly Father, we come to you today thanking you for friendship, Lord. Thanking you for love. Thanking you for healing. I ask that you bless our sister Myra with her show and her future endeavors. I ask that you be a hedge of protection around all of us and all the people listening to this interview And God bless you and your listeners, Myra. Thank you so much. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 As Avalon says, Mm -hmm. Amen. (laughs) At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.